Well, good morning. It's good to be together. I hope you've had a good weekend lying in the sun and hopefully catching up with somebody you've not seen for a while. And uh, really hope as well you got a chance to watch the update that I did on behalf of us as elders, just looking ahead at the next few months of Kings and what we think that might look like under these current restrictions. But here's the good news. God is working in the midst of all of this. And already we've heard stories of people becoming Christians through online meetings. We've heard stories of people getting filled with the Spirit. We've, heard, we've had people joining small groups online over these last couple of months. God will continue to work through us as we trust them in this next season. So today we're talking about how to live when the world is upside down. And we're teaching from the book of Jeremiah and seeing Jeremiah's answers to that question. And the verses we're going to look at today are some of the most beautiful verses in the whole of Jeremiah. And the answer to the question is this. We live in the newness of a new covenant relationship with God. So today we're going to find out what that looks like. And if you're not yet a Christian or you're just looking for, watching for the first time, Hopefully I'll help you today understand why Christianity is so different than any other belief system or religion. And if you are a Christian, there's plenty in it for you too, because we're going to go deeper and see what is so wonderful about what Jeremiah calls the new covenant. So before we do that, just a bit of spot the difference for you, just so we can understand the difference between old and new. Can you see the difference between these two pictures? That's right, one of them is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. The other one is the Fourth Road Bridge. Choose your holiday destination. How about this one? That's right. That's the uh, Sydney Opera House versus the Armadillo in Glasgow. They're pretty much identical. Choose your holiday destination. How about this one? Oh, this is actually my family growing up. I'm the young, handsome one. Uh, obviously, nobody else got the memo to dress smart for the photo. And here's the thing about families, they're all different, aren't they? And you might think, well, who are those three older sisters? And you'd be surprised to know two of them are actually boys, uh, my older brothers, but that's just how they dressed back then. But families, you see similarities and you see differences too, don't you? And I don't know if this is your experience, when you reach into the sock drawer in the morning, do you find this happens? I mean, who in the world manufactures socks of different shapes, sizes, and colors. If I was in control of socks, they'd all be the same, same size, same color, and we would literally save hours and hours every week, and it would bring me much joy. But here's what we're being encouraged to do today. When we look at these verses in Jeremiah, we're being encouraged to see the difference between the new covenant, the new way of relating with God, and what the people were experiencing a relationship with God in Jeremiah's time, the old covenant, as we might look back at it now. These verses are repeated in Hebrews 8, which tells us that all of these verses were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. He's the one who brings in the new covenant relationship with God for us. So let's read the verses together. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. And with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. 
because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So, first of all, he's encouraging us to see what this new relationship with God is not like. So did you see it there in verse 32? He says, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. It will not be like it. It won't be like that old way of doing things. So what's he referring to? Well, he's referring to the arrangement that God made with his people when he led them out of Egypt. They were slaves, they'd been set free, taken through the Red Sea, and they came to Mount Sinai, and Moses went up the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments and the law of God. It was the covenant of law. It was the Mosaic covenant. And here are some characteristics of that covenant that you, the covenant that you might want to think about. When I say covenant, that just means like a marriage. It's, like a, it, it's a permanent sense of relationship that somebody wants to have with you. And this was the nature of that covenant. Firstly, the mediator, the person between God and the people, was Moses. And if you know anything about Moses, you'll know this, that he was a reluctant leader. Do you remember that famous bit where he said to God, here I am, Lord, please send somebody else. But he did it. He did the job reluctantly. And although he was a compassionate leader, he was in many ways a sensitive leader, he, he understood people. There was at times when he lost his rag with people. He got fed up with all the moaning and the groaning of the people of Israel that he was leading. Here's another characteristic of that covenant. It was characterized by distance and separation. So Moses climbed the mountain. There was fire, there was smoke engulfing it. Nobody could see him. In fact, they had to stand way back at a safe perimeter, lest they die if they touched the mountain. And that's how it was. It was characterized by distance. Here's the third characteristic of that covenant. That blessing under that covenant from God was conditional upon obedience. And if you were to read, for example, in Leviticus 26, you'd see, if you obey me, this will happen. If you obey me, this will happen. If you disobey me, this will happen. Consequences for obedience and disobedience. And in that verse we read, it said, uh, I, I was a husband to them, but they were unfaithful to me, says the Lord. So it, it was conditional. It was conditional on, on Israel reciprocating the love that God was showing them. But sadly, they didn't. Here's the good news about this new way of relating to God. It's not like the old way. In what way? Well, thankfully, we don't have a reluctant mediator who didn't really want the job. It says of Jesus, quoting Psalm 40, Jesus says, Here I am, I delight to do your will, O God. 
Jesus was delighted to do the Father's will. He was delighted to come through the heavens to us. And we find this about him. He's not unsympathetic to our weakness. He, he's a high priest, but he, he's a high priest who's sympathetic with our weaknesses. He knows what we're like. Isn't it good news today that there's somebody in charge of your life and he's not had enough, he's not reluctant, he's willing and he's sympathetic to your every weakness. And that's the very person who's in charge of this new relationship that you can have with God. So this new covenant is not characterized by distance and separation. It's characterized by presence. In Exodus 32, you discover that because Moses had disappeared up the mountain, the people really lost any sense of connection with him or God. And they said, you know what, let's just make a golden calf and let's worship that instead. And the sad reality was when Moses came down and judgment came, 3,000 people died that day. Fast forward to Acts chapter 2. So the giving of the law was the high point of the covenant of law. The high point of the covenant of grace is this, is the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Is this, 3,000 people don't die on that occasion, 3,000 people are saved. They become Christians, they become followers of Jesus. And it wasn't a case of just watching somebody from afar, seeing the Holy Spirit come upon them, seeing them meet with God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came and rested on each one of them. Tongues of fire on each one, not special ones, not just the leaders, but everyone. These verses we read today said they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. And the third thing about this new way of relating to God, this blessing is not contingent on your obedience, but on his grace. He says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. The old covenant was based on adherence to rules, to laws. God would judge you based on what you did or didn't do. The new covenant is based on this reality that God says anything you've done wrong is forgiven and forgotten. Let's look at it from a New Testament verse. It says in Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What he's highlighting in that verse is that the old covenant, it lacked power because human flesh was weak. We couldn't respond to it. Although the people of Israel said, we will obey, we will do it. The reality was they couldn't, and they wouldn't, and they didn't. But when Jesus comes, he fulfills the covenant perfectly. He does obey the law of God. And the result of that is that the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us in this new covenant of grace. 
And now we live in that reality of our sins forgiven, forgotten, cast into the depths of the sea. The blessing of God is not contingent on your obedience to God, but on Christ's obedience to God. Because Jesus obeyed, the blessings of God are ours. So let's understand this. So we've understood something of what, it, what it's not, and in contrast, what it is, but what positively is it? Well, here's the first thing. Every spiritual blessing is yours now in Christ. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says that he has blessed us in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's yours right now if you trust and believe Jesus in this new relationship. Here's the second thing that happens. We get a change of heart Verse 33 of Jeremiah 33 that we read says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. There's something changing about our hearts, that now the law of God is within them. It's not something external, it's something internal. Another prophet, Ezekiel, wrote in chapter 36, about this same relationship with God. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You get a brand new heart that's sensitized and soft to the promptings of God and the law of God. God works in us to help us know what his will is and his, and his power and uh, his, uh, his teaching for us. Here's the third and final element of positively what it is, is to have God's power at work in our life. Another prophet in the Old Testament also prophet, uh, prophesied about uh, the new covenant and it was the prophet Joel. And we pick up his prophecy in Acts chapter 2. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I know we believe that Pentecost Sunday is every day as Christians because the Holy Spirit is with us right now. But let's look at that day when the Holy Spirit was first poured out and Joel's prophecy was read out to all those assembled on that day. And this is what was said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, when the Bible says in the last days, that period refers to from when Jesus came to the earth and now. And what it's referring to, imagine somebody talking about Christmas Eve. What they're saying is Christmas is coming. It's the day after, it's the day before Christmas Eve. Well, these are the days we live in. It's the days when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, on all people. And 
What that means is that we're tasting the powers of the age to come. That means that the very things that human beings are created for, to live in relationship and experience of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we can begin to taste those things right now and to live in a new type of relationship with God, a new covenant relationship. What it means is this. It means to receive his power today. And friends, I just want to invite you right where you are to receive from him today. And those verses we just read, it says there's special promises for you if you're a son or a daughter. If you're a young person, you're going to see visions. If you're an older person, then God wants to give you dreams. Whoever you are, he wants to help you prophesy, to hear God and to speak it forth. And for anybody who's watching who doesn't yet know Jesus or have this relationship, it says this, that anybody who calls on him will be saved. These are the days we live in, the days of the Spirit, the days of the new covenant, the days of the presence of God coming and filling us and helping us. Prophecies, healing, signs. If you're sick in body today, God can heal you. If you're sick in your mind today, God can heal you. God can meet with you right where you are. And here's the good news. All of that can happen today because of Jesus. When Peter preached at Pentecost, he didn't say, look at what you see and hear. This is because you are especially good and sensitive to receiving the Spirit. He attributed the pouring out of the Spirit to the fact that Jesus was sat at the right hand of God and he was now pouring out the Holy Spirit. Here's the reason why I know that God wants to fill us with his spirit today. It's because Jesus is still at the right hand of God, still pouring out his spirit. He's still on the throne. And right now, right across Edinburgh, as we believe for this city, I know that he's going to pour out his spirit in our homes. And wherever you're watching from in the world, he can pour out his spirit where you are and in your town and in your country. And wherever you are today, God can save you if you call on his name. So today I want to invite you into this amazing new way of relating to God. I want to invite you to reject obsolete ways of relating to God. Sometimes we find ourselves going back to relying on our obedience to God as being the thing that will make him love us and make us acceptable to him. It's all been done by Jesus. Remember it afresh today. And today I want to invite you to trade your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And today I want to invite you to receive his power again, or for the very first time. He loves you, and he's done everything necessary for you to receive this relationship from him today. And so, Lord, we pray, come, Holy Spirit.